If you couldn't tap your feet or clap your hand to that, you may be dead. <laughs> and if you're dead, we'll preach you a real fine funeral and then have a meal and we'll forget about you. Because <laughs> you couldn't get it going. We appreciate that very much. I want to uh, want to compliment you too. As I listen to your music, as I listen to your words, and y'all have been with us now several years of coming here and blessing us with your music, but I want to tell you, you can see a lot of growth in both of you and a growth in your music. So we appreciate it. If you have your Bibles, take them open up to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 4. You can find Matthew, it's the next book over. You shall realize you're going to have to be here next Sunday, right? Because the Stillmans are out, so we've got to hear the new Stillman Griswold tale of them traveling this week. Mark? Four? One more than you three of trouble. I was with Michael yesterday and, uh, or Friday, and he said, I said, Try not to have any of the Griswold stories when you come back. He said, oh, it's just a little short trip. Pray for them. That's the key. It's them short trips that always get them. But uh, traveling on the road and Megan being safe, I know in the barrel racing and all, but uh, that's where they're at this week. So we want to keep them in prayer. Mark chapter 4. We often hear, and it has been said, as the Lord called David, a man after God's own heart. It's God's own heart. Do you or I fall into that category? Are we a man or a woman after God's own heart? Mark chapter 4 gives us a test to know what kind of heart condition we have. We all understand that the heart, without it, our life ceases. But so does our spiritual life. It is about our heart. We have to approach our Lord with a true heart and a pure heart. And he gives, Jesus speaks here in chapter 4 with a test about the heart, where it goes to. As we were all created to have fellowship with him. So I invite you to stand, if you're able, for the reading, to honor the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter 4. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables. And he said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. 
And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell by on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately sprang up because it had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. You may be seated. Fairly familiar scripture to most of you in here. You've probably heard it before. But I bring to you a couple of things that are unique about this passage of scripture. The one that stands out far above the others as other than the word and the message that he's given here is verse 9. The only other place in the Bible we see this phrase, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear, is in the book of Revelation. And we hear that over and over and over again. Word from our sponsor, remember Bible study tonight at 6 p.m. on the book of Revelation. But it comes here in Jesus himself, this also validifies that Jesus spoke it here. He's also speaking to John in Revelation. But he says, let him hear what is being said. Oftentimes, we hear a lot of things. We hear a lot of noise. We, we hear, but we don't listen. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Listening is when you take what has been said, you internalize it, you digest it, and you decide whether or not it's something that is applicable to your life and that enhances your life, or it's something that you dismiss and let it go, or as Jesus says here, you may try it for a while and you let go of it. And that's the way change is. We do it every day in our life. We do it whether we're hearing a commercial on the radio or TV, or maybe it's at work and they have a change, you're going to do a new process. All different types of things come into this, into this arena that we do every day of our lives. Here, Jesus is speaking about minding your heart. The word, he comes down in verse, in verse 13 and explains this parable, this teaching. It should be pretty much where it shows, but there are those who ask him what it means. So I'll skip down and read it, and we'll get a little more into it. Verse 13 says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. Meaning those we meet. Where they hear, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. That's the first category. Second then, these likewise are the ones sown on stony uh, ground, who, when they hear the words, immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves, and so endure only 
for a time. Afterwards, when the tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the ones who excuse me, and the cares of this world in 19, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So the test that he's asking as you and I read his word, as we hear read it, as we hear it preached in whatever form that we do that from one to another, or the fact of a preacher giving out God's word, or maybe on a radio program, or whatever measure we see, what happens with the word tests our heart. You see that first category, it says you hear it, and it doesn't affect you. We meet folks like this all the time. We talk about the gospel. We talk about the love of Jesus. Some will scoff and say simply that, yeah, that's just for the weak-minded. You believe in fables and, and fairy tales. Others may not be quite so crude in their non-acceptance. They just simply say, well, that's good for you, but not for me. And then there's the second category that comes and takes place. And here the question about it is they hear it and initially they receive it. But the fact is when the storm rages and trouble becomes and they go, well, I believed what God said and yet here I am having troubles. They begin to doubt it and finally they just walk away from it. They're not seeing what God is doing. They don't understand. Herman mentioned it a while ago about faith itself, that it has to grow. It springs up, but they don't have a depth of, the, of how God works and understanding His character and understanding that we are a construction in progress. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, when you accept Jesus Christ, you're not going to have any troubles. As a matter of fact, it tells you the opposite. He says, you will be persecuted for my name's sake and for the sake of the word. People will mock and make fun. You're going to have trials and troubles. But he follows it with the promise that says, you'll not face that alone. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I will always be present. We heard in prayer and praise this morning, people being thankful for the prayers. Each one of us have been there. We know the difference when people are praying for us and when they don't. It makes a difference in our own mindset, in our own lives, and how we view things, how we approach that trial or trouble that we're facing, knowing that others are in, in tow with us, that they want to see us be able to thrive. And, of course, God always makes sure that it's a blessing. I've come to learn that oftentimes, as Paul says, we should give praise in all things. Sometimes those trials and tribulations are not because you've done something wrong. They're not a punishment, but God begins to stretch you and I. See, we're comfort people. We like being in our comfort zone. The problem is our comfort zone doesn't grow us. 
kind of like exercising your muscles. Yep, I got some. But I don't go work out. Because if I go work out and make my muscles sore, it hurts. It stretches those muscles. Well, the problem is, as I told you before, nothing stays stagnant. If you don't use it, you lose it. What you have will be gone. Okay? So, it's been a good while since I had to crawl underneath and, and wire up vehicles and everything. And this The other night, Jacob and I were doing that, and the next morning I thought, dang, it's been a while since I did that much stretching. Wadded up underneath a underneath a dashboard trying to feel up and crick your neck up and you get up the next morning and you're still kind of in that position and you go, huh, it's been a while. See, it has to stretch. But the more we exercise, the more we begin to grow in that and the easier it becomes. Herman talked about having the faith of Job and the patience of Job. That's really generally not a prayer we want to have. God, give me patience. Because you know what? That means we're going to be out of a comfort zone. Because that means things are going to happen slowly. You're going to have trials and tribulations like what we see with Job in order to test that, but in order to grow it. And so oftentimes people think that it's going to be a simple thing, that nothing else is going to happen. God is progressive, not like political progressiveness, okay? I help you out there. God is progressive in that He wants you to grow. Think of it like raising your children. And that's what we are, is God's child. When that baby's born, it don't know how to do anything other than cry and poop. That's it. If it don't get its way, it screams. When it gets messy, it wants to be changed. Those two things function real well. But that's about it. Everything else we have to teach. We have to stretch that child. We stretch his mind. We stretch his imagination. We stretch his legs, holding him up by his hands to let him get his feet planted underneath him. We walk with him to try to get those first steps. And yeah, there's trials and tribulations. He gets up, he falls down, hits his head on the coffee table, or whatever else is around. And he cries, and he gets picked back up, and we walk again. And we do that throughout our life. When we learn how to ride a bike, some of you in here have ridden horses, or maybe you tried riding a bull or a calf, maybe it was a goat or a lamb, whatever, and lamb busting, you fall off. But you can tell those who've ridden before on that lamb busting, because they reach up there and get them a handful, and they're not letting go. We watched one the other night. That sucker kept sliding all underneath that lamb, but he wasn't letting go. <laughs> he had done learned it's better to hang on than to let go. So that's the stretching. That is the depth that begins to show in you and I where we actually build that faith that we know no matter what comes along, God is present. And our prayers to Him in time, in His timing, will always be answered for what He knows is the best for you and I. There's many a time I can look back in the rearview mirror and say, you know, Lord, that was the best thing that could have happened. At the time, it wasn't any fun. At the time, it was rough. 
And you see there's those who give up on it too quickly in order to see what God is going to produce out of the hardship that they are at. Then thirdly comes the fact that there are those who take and they receive God's Word. But the things of this world begin to claw back. And little by little, we begin to fall more into the world and further away from our Lord. The children of Israel came out of Egypt. You remember back as you read in Exodus what they were facing. They were there in bondage. They were enslaved. And the slavery was rough on them. Many of them died. It was hard physical labor, looking at it in a physical sense. Every day was a daily grind for them, not just of work, but being a slave, being having no option. They were forced to that labor that was given to them. And you see, sin's that same bondage. And when we come to have the freedom that Jesus Christ brings within our heart, sometimes we want to go back to that bondage state. The children of Israel were led out. They saw God begin to work in their lives when He parted the sea. They saw as Moses talked and gave them direction that He received from God. And so He went up on the mountain to talk with God. God gave Him the Ten Commandments. We know that. What took place down on the hill? The doubt, the worry, the fear. We were better off in Egypt as slaves. See, sometimes we have that same mindset and that same heart. I was better off, and I can make more money, and I can get more fame, and I can get more of this or that or whatever's important to us at the time. It begins to choke God's Word out because our heart turns to what we want, not what He wants. Finally, we have the last category. It says that it falls on good soil. We've seen that. In the planting, and this is what Jesus uses and describes here, is the planting of seed. There's certain land that you can plant anything there and it will grow. There's also certain types of vegetables and fruits, things of that nature that grow better in a particular area than it does in others. Over close to the house, they have the uh, sweetberry farms. And in October, November, they have pumpkins. I'm always amazed at the people that they go off of what they hear or what they see rather than really finding out. But they bring those pumpkins in and people from Austin and all around, even locally, come over there and they go, well, let's go get the fresh pumpkins. They're grown right there. One of the uh, deputies Jacob works with, he, uh, his wife was one of those. And he was relating that story. He said, yeah, we're going to have to go over there. She wants fresh pumpkins. I said, you do really know that they ain't grown there. This ain't soil for pumpkins. What? And I said, we live here. We go by there every day. H-E-B truck stops and unloads a big truck full of pumpkins. They ain't growed there. This is not pumpkin soil. Really? Really? You're sure? Oh, yeah. It's the same pumpkins you can go get at the store, except they're higher and you have to pay a parking fee over at the Sweetberry Farms. 
Now, they do grow strawberries there and other things, but it ain't pumpkins. He called back. We're still going over there. My wife said it's real pumpkins. Can't help you. We know that if you really want a good cantaloupe, that grows out in Pecos. They taste different no matter what grows in the valley, and they, they bring some great fruit out of the valley. But it ain't like Pecos cantaloupes. There's this thing about the alkali and the soil. And you see, it's no different than people. What Jesus was bringing here, literally, we can relate to. There are some folks that are great at foreign missions work. There's other folks that are not good for foreign missions. They do local missions. Or maybe they're just the church member in the community, but yet they really affect those that they meet each and every day in the workplace and in the community. We're that soil. He gives, just as he gives different soil, different properties to grow, different fruit, we all are that way. God gives us different abilities, different characteristics, different fruits of the Spirit that you and I can grow those in our area. It isn't by chance where we live. It's not by chance where we work. It's not by chance of the people that we come in contact with every day. God is there and is willing to show us how we can be fruitful for Him, for the gospel. Lastly, that soil is the fact that that soil is there and it's primed and it's ready. It'll grow anything. Rich soil. But if you never plant it, you ain't going to get it. It doesn't just come up wild. You have to put the seed in the ground. That seed literally has to die in that ground from being a seed that it will give new life. You see, that's just like God's Word. We have to die to self, let it go into our heart, let Him to begin to construct it, and to till it, just like you till the soil, to water it, to nurture it, to fertilize it. And suddenly that plant begins to grow. We begin to see a growth in ourselves. And suddenly, wow, we're, we're bearing fruit. As He says here, some 30-fold, some 60 some a hundred. So where is your heart? What type of soil is your heart for God's Word? You see, throughout all of our lives, we should be able to see a movement, a growth. Many of you, I do see that. I complimented them this morning because I remember back, and because you know, my history, I've always been a people watcher, and you begin to see the change that takes place. Doc's given a testimony many a time. There's people who actually have showed up here just to see that Doc actually is going to church. They can't believe it. Am I wrong, Doc? No, I ain't telling you something that he, behind his back, he knows it's true. They couldn't believe he became an elder of the church. You seen a change in Doc, Judy? Yeah. You see, we begin to see the changes. It's not overnight. It's not a progression that just, or it's, it is a progression. It's not something that's instantaneous. Remember the second we talked about, said they receive it. They're the flash in the pan Christian. Boom. Oh, yeah. And they're on fire. And they just, they're kind of like the fireworks. 
nice big Roman candle went up in the air and boom, and then it just fades out. And unfortunately, that's what happens with some folks with God's Word. You see, it's something you and I have to tend to on a daily basis. If we want a heart cultivated in the last category here, just as you have to go tend to that garden every day, we have some some people around here have a garden, others have animals. You have to tend to those animals. You got to make sure they're fed. You got to make sure they got water. You got to make sure the predator hadn't come around. We hadn't even got to the predator of our hearts yet. You have to tend to it. And when you see they don't have food, you give them food. When they need water, you give them water. When you know there's a predator, you begin to do things to avoid to get rid of the predator. You see, it's no different than what Jesus has said here with the planting. The same is true in our garden. I said that the soil won't just produce the fruit. You've got to plant corn, or you've got to plant green beans, or you've got to plant tomato vines. They don't just happen. But the one thing that does happen, weeds, grasshoppers, tomato worms. Nobody, you don't have to put up a sign. You don't have to invite them in. You don't have to go out there and cultivate weeds. They'll grow all on their own. You ever notice where they do construction work on the side of the road? And then they come in there and lay that blanket or they have a spray truck that sprays it all green that has the seeds and the fertilizer and everything. But before they ever get to do that, there's already weeds growing no matter how much they disturb it, right? It's there. And so we have to tend that garden. We have to tend that livestock. Well, the same is true with our relationship with the Lord or the relationship with anyone. We have to tend to it. It has to be nurtured and it has to be fertilized and grown. We do that with the Lord through prayer. We do that through reading Scripture and a Bible study. We do that through meeting together and congregating and sharing what God's doing in our lives. We also do that by making requests that invite you to help pray for a situation. You see... That's the one that begins to yield fruit. We've seen that over and over in this church, how the fruit of our prayers, the fruit of the ministries, the fruit of us working and following God's leadership and how He wants us to go and where He wants us to go with this body of believers. We begin to see that fruit bear. Some will say, well, I don't see you growing like a megachurch. You know what? I don't want to be a megachurch. I'd rather have it where people come because they desire to worship. They come because they want to have that relationship with their Lord and they want to see it grow. I'm never worried about the numbers. God takes care of the numbers. If we do what He wants, He takes care of the rest of it. We've seen that throughout this church's history. We've seen it in all so many different aspects. Always when we have a need, it shows up. We've been able to build on and do things that as God led, we're not in debt. 
You see, over and over and over again, God proves His Word when He says, I'll never forsake you, I'll never leave you. I will make sure that you have what you need. He tells us in another parable to be the good stewards. That includes being the good stewards to our own heart. We want the abundant life that John describes, the abundant life that he says God will give us, then we have to be that good soil. We have to tend the soil of our heart that we don't just hear, but we listen. We absorb it. We think about it. He tells us in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, he says, my statutes you need to meditate upon. David writes it in the book of Psalms. He said, blessed is the man who meditates on the word of God. It means you're constantly thinking about it. Maybe not in the forefront, but in the subconscious, it's always there. That question comes up, that little prayer shoots up, Lord, how should I answer this? What should I do? What's the decision you want me to make? You see, that's the, that's the gardener that's taking care of that garden. He's right there no matter what shows up. From the first time that, that tomato worm shows up, he's out there inspecting all the plants. First time that grasshopper shows up, he's out there eradicating it. If you're doing livestock, first thing when that wolf shows up, that coyote, you make sure he's out of there. Those are the things that you and I have to look for as we tend our hearts. The predators bringing up Coyotes, snakes, and mater worms, and grasshoppers. I know grasshoppers are Jimmy's friend. He likes him, grasshoppers. Our great predator, same old deceitful character that's been around from the very beginning. Good old Satan. Lucifer, the devil. We can call him whatever we want to call him. The issue is he's the same old liar and deceitful. And as the Bible describes him, that roaming lion that walks about seeking whom he may devour. See, he's not interested in just inflicting pain. He's interested in devouring mine and your heart. He's interested in devouring our soul. He's not ignorant of God. He's not ignorant of God's ways. He knows the Scripture as good as Jesus knew them himself. But he always tries to take and trick us and make a little twist to that Scripture. He quotes it. He did to Jesus. And Jesus corrected his quoting of the Scripture with not only correcting that, but adding other Scripture, always making it consistent. See, that's the predator you and I have to run out of our lives. The good part is, we have a name above all names that the devil has to flee. It's whether or not we decide that we call upon that name to correct the issue, to get rid of the predator. I kind of get tickled at some of these city folk with these predators. You see it. Hope none of you are environmentalists in here because you're going to get your feelings hurt. 
But you ever noticed whatever the environmentalists decide, oh, they're fixing to be extinct, and they begin to protect them. And then what happens is we have an overpopulation of them. Well, how are we going to get rid of them without killing them? You don't. Plain and simple. That might hurt some people's feelings, but that's just the truth. See, it's just like we play with evil. Oh, well, there's got to be a better way. No, there isn't. It's evil. You either change it through the blood of Jesus Christ or you get rid of it. It's that simple, folks. I won't get on the politics, but I'll give you an example. You're either male or you're female. There's only two kinds. That's what Scripture, what God made. So if you're confused about it, we'll pray for you. That's why there's only two restrooms up there. There isn't male, female, and unisex. No, it doesn't happen. Okay? So the simple fact, we laugh about that, but the simple fact is true about our heart. We either have a heart of God, or we have a heart that's not of God. We have a heart that follows the world. A little more bluntly, we have a heart that follows Satan. We have a heart that follows sin. That fork in the road, one way is death. Not just your physical death, but more importantly, your spiritual death. The other path is life. And what the devil will paint you a picture of is this. You come to a fork in the road. You look down this side over here to the left. Sun is bright. You can see the beautiful pastures. You can see the waters glistening. You can see nothing but beauty that God has created in nature. Now the path to the right, it's rocky. Y'all being in Lano County, you understand rock, right? It's rocky. It's got hills up and down. But yet, there's beautiful trees, and almost like a forest, oak trees and the different trees that we have around this area, but it's real thick, kind of like property sometimes we look at here. It's got all that brush and everything up in there. You don't see all the beauty in it. Matter of fact, real heavy fog has let in on this, so you can't really see even, just know that there's brush everywhere. And you have a choice to go to the left or to go to the right. See, the devil's going to paint you that left-handed picture. What he doesn't show you is the storm clouds and the, the tornadoes and the, all the, the pestilence that comes in. He just got that picture up there. When I was back in Odessa and, and a cop there during the 80s, we were real short-handed and Man, we were murder capital of the world. We had all these things going on. Well, somebody up there decided it was because we weren't marketing and had enough officers. So they took pictures out of the Texas Hill Country. And when these candidates signed up, they offered to fly them in. Well, what they'd do is get them the red-eye flight so they flew in at night. <laughs> and they'd bring them, they'd shuttle them directly from the hotel into the PD and tell them what all we had to offer, and they'd sign up. Well, they'd take them back to that airplane after they signed up. Problem was, it's daylight. 
and they're going, had one of them, he goes, where's all the trees and the flowers? I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, this brochure right here. And I looked at that, and I immediately knew, that's the hill country. <laughs> I said, well, that's only about six hours away from here. So on your days off, you can go see it. You mean it ain't here? Nope. About that time, he'd step out of there, and one of them good old winds would blow, and that tumbleweed come and hit him right up in the behind. That's West Texas weather, buddy. <laughs> Beautiful sunset and sunrise because you can see it forever. And you see, that's what the devil does. He'll paint you that picture. This one over here, because you see we walk by faith. Can't always see where we're headed. And sometimes it's a rough road and it's rocky. But he'll always guide us down that path. Scripture tells us, David does in the book of Psalms, he said, your word is a lamp unto my feet. See, we don't walk through that brush and that pasture by ourselves. We walk by, by faith, by allowing him to see what's ahead. Some of these old places around here that you look at those properties and you think, man, that's just, ain't nothing but brush. And somebody buys it and goes in there and starts cleaning it up and you go, wow. That's some of the prettiest property I've ever seen. And you see, that's what happens with God in our lives. He takes that old ways of how we were, and he begins to clean it up. And it begins to grow where we suddenly see what God saw in us. He saw it through the eyes of Jesus Christ. So he knew what we could be. Not what we are. But it begins with minding your attitude of our heart. You got four choices. Disregard it. Be the flash in the pan. Be the one that the world begins to choke out everything. You go back into that bondage and slavery of sin. Or you can be the good soil. Which one are you? I'll close with verse 9. He who has an ear, let him hear. Bow your head and close your eyes.